Hills, a communal bin, a dumpster. A few moments earlier, Trish had gone over there to drop off an empty bottle. She watched the girls staring at each other, wondering what she'd seen. She could tell that thoughts were passing between them. They were curious. One of the girls started to walk, the other followed. Trish tried to call out, to bring them back, but words still wouldn't come out. She watched them go tried to claw out to them, pull them back. They kept walking up the alleyway. It was a large bin, almost as tall as they were. When they got up close, they pointed to the bloody finger streaks. Trish watched as they turned to each other as if to ask, what's inside? For a moment, they stared on, frozen. Then one spoke. Go on, open it. No, you do it. The girls stood, unmoving. Trish tried again to call to them, but all that came from her now was screams, shrill roars she couldn't control. They looked back then. We'll do it together, a firm nod. Okay. They reached out hands, raised the lid of the dumpster. Their breathing looked to have stilled as their thin arms pushed the black rubber lid back. The dark interior of the vault was exposed now. For a second or two, the girls peered into the blackness, but didn't seem to see anything. They drew closer, raised themselves on tiptoes. As they edged nearer the rim, Trish remembered the sweet smell that had come from inside. She knew it would take a moment for their eyes to adjust to the darkness inside the bin, to make out the light and shade, to piece together familiar shapes in an unfamiliar setting, to take in with their eyes what their minds wouldn't want to believe. In the next few seconds, the air filled with the screams of two more young girls. They were running from the alleyway. Chapter 1 D.I. Rob Brennan stood outside the chief super's door, with his fist held tightly, knuckles out, hovering beneath the brassy nameplate. He thought about pounding the wood panel, thought again, then gripped the handle and stomped in. You want me? Chief Superintendent Eileen Galloway, phone in hand, blasted some poor D.C. about the state of his handwriting in the mileage log for the new Cavaliers. If it's not a good time, I'll call back, said Brennan. She turned, keeping up her rant, and flagged him to sit down. It was multi-skilling, or man-management, something like that, he thought. Something women were always better at than men. Wasn't that the received wisdom? Brennan walked over to the desk. It was immaculate. Little rows of yellow post-it notes lined up with geometric precision on the carefully stacked files. A set of pens, only two, and a photo frame containing a picture of a smiling man and two perfect young children. Looked like a mortgage advertisement from an era before the banking crisis, before the ads had shifted towards images of cast iron stability. More meat and potatoes, less gloss. Or maybe they hadn't changed at all. Maybe it was the way he viewed them now. Maybe everything had lost its gloss. Brennan took out a silk cut, not a real fag. These were for Saturday smokers and teenies who bought packs of ten for a sly puff between home ec and maths. 
But something had to give. A lot of things had to give, thought Brennan. As he put the cigarette to his lips, the chief super hung up the phone. Light that and I'll have your guts for garters. She probably meant it. He rolled the tip of the cig on his tongue, held stum. He had no intention of lighting up. It was just a gambit, a needle for her. Galloway put her hands on her hips. She seemed to have him sussed. I let the laddie at his game look. She smiled, sat. For a moment, Brennan stood before her. She was a thin brunette in a tight-fitting skirt and jacket. He wondered, in other circumstances, could he fancy her? Doubted it. She wasn't his type. There was a harshness there, a meanness of spirit that outweighed any other physical attractiveness. She was a ball-breaker, and Brennan liked his balls the way they were.